When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. I'll start doing that every time. Cleveland. Nope, that's annoying. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, talking running backs and tight ends. On Wednesday, we had our final position group interviews of the spring. One last bit of appreciation for the fact that we get to talk to every group on the team in spring and we get to do the same thing in August and we've watched multiple practices and scrimmages and it has allowed us to, I think, bring you guys good coverage, both on Buckeye Talk, on our texts and at cleveland.com slash OSU. And uh, not everybody lets the media have that much access. So we're appreciative of that because on Wednesday we got to talk to new tight ends coach Keenan Bailey, returning starter tight end. Cade Stover, backup tight end Joe Royer and G. Scott Jr., running backs coach Tony Alford, starting running back, probably, Travion Henderson, and Dallin Hayden, also in the running backs mix. So we didn't get Mayan Williams. We didn't get Chip Trainum. Um, we didn't get Xavier Johnson, who's a little bit of everything. We didn't get Evan Pryor, but we had good conversations. And I have like multiple things, multiple theories, multiple ways of viewing the team that have been affected by these interviews, because I'll also tell you guys, we're just going to do a little bit of a housekeeping here at the beginning because people love early podcast housekeeping. It's like I tune in for information and then people talk about crap for six minutes. So we try to avoid that here, but I want to do this very quickly. It's funny. I've, I've just, I, I end up in, in podcast. I just had another meeting on Wednesday with people in our company who have questions about podcasts, who have questions about subtexting. One of the things I always say is, your podcast and your tech subscriber thing can't be a news feed. It's not a news reaction world. Because like if you just say, here's the news and here's that's here's the news, that's not going to get it done. But then Nathan, like we come here and it's like, hey, we talk to people, here's what we think. But I do think it's it's that we it, it forms theories about the team. It's not just what guys said. It's like, aha, my entire way of thinking about Ohio State football. It's not, it's not that it's been changed, but it's been influenced by the conversations we just had. And now let's talk about those theories that influence what shapes our overall view. Because, man, I got shaped. I got shaped on Wednesday. I haven't run in like a month and a half. 
so I'm out of shape, but I got shaped up by multiple conversations, Nathan, which is what I love. I love when we think things and then you talk to people and it's like, oh, well, maybe I think this now. Did you get shaped up? Well, I at least got um, – I don't know if I'm shaped. I don't know if I'm like formed into a shape. I, I'm being kneaded perhaps. Mm. I'm like a big ball of Play-Doh that's being, that's being sculpted. Um, I feel like we just got a little peek into I, the Baird's marriage right there. It's just like, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes a man just wants to well, be needed. <laughs> no, it's more the fact that we have a, an 11-month-old toddling around and he's going to be doing Play-Doh-ish things soon, uh, we hope. But um, we've actually gotten to see a lot of football relative to what, as you said, to what a lot of people do this spring. And thank you to you know Jerry Emig and, and Ryan Day for that. But so much of that can even be, you know, once you take out the stretching and calisthenics and once you take out just the drill stuff, like how much football football do you see that you get to form opinions from? It could be kind of limited. So it, it definitely helps to like ask a guy sometimes a point blank question or ask a comparison question and 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 hear the answer and see how that compares to how they're talking about other people. Um, and I, I, so I'm curious to hear how, how, cause you talk to other people. That's the other thing too. Like the way this works is they bring out a lot of people to three different tables and the three of us are often standing at three different tables. And so I didn't say a word to Tony Alford today, but I was with Keenan Bailey the whole time. So like what, what did each of us hear? Sometimes this podcast when we sit down to record is maybe, maybe I will be awakened too by what you're about to tell us. Steven, did you get shaped up? Awoken. Did you get, cause, cause uh, the way, so Steven uh, was at Tony Alford a lot. I was at Trayvon Henderson and Cade Stover a lot. Nathan was at Dallin Hayden and Keenan Bailey a lot. Steven, did you get shaped up at all by what yes you heard no. on Wednesday? I think it, because of who I ended up at the table, I think it, it probably, you kind of put it, it confirmed some theories, but it also provided some enlightenment on how we should view things for the rest of spring practice and going into fall camp. So I don't know if I, I don't know if mine was no as much kneading dough as it was just like stamp, you're right, or stamp, you're wrong, or stamp, I don't want to answer that question. So there was so there's let me cover like four more things before we get to we're gonna start with Trayvon Henderson, because I got shaped up on Trayvon Henderson. And we've been getting shaped on Trayvon Henderson for a while here. So thing number one I want to talk about is Cade Stover, when he was talking, he shaped me up, gave a reference to like, hey, like sort of like one of those things like, how are you better this year compared to last year? And he said something about, you know, people thought last year, like my over under for catches was like eight. And I thought to myself, Mm. where would he, what is that a reference to? And I think it might be us. That like somehow someone said the case over him and I was listening to these yahoos and it was like, oh, someone said your catch over under is eight. And he was like, oh, now. So was that do you think it was us? No, it was not us. If he's if 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 if, if he's actually going by eight, it was not us. Now, having said that. One of the three of us. Set the Kate Silver receptions mark guess for 2022 as 12. Oh. That was, that no, was, no, 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 uh, no. I want you to claim that with your chest just as high and mighty as when you try to claim the Mike Hall thing. I don't want to hear the, oh, one of us. No, 12? I want 12. you to stand on that. 12. So 12, that was the number? That When did we mark do that? It, in the fall? Mark it down Monday. Was it a mark it down Monday? Um, I, 
It would market that money, so it would have been the summer. Okay. 12 or 22. In July, usually. Okay. We'll have to go back July-ish. to July. Maybe somebody else is out there setting an eight. So, okay. So, Cade mentioned that. Here's another thing I want to mention. We are attempting and believe we have locked down a very special guest for the Monday podcast. And if it happens, and I think it's going to, it will be this person's first appearance directly on Buckeye Talk. And it will be about a very special topic. And I will give you more information about it later as more information gets locked down. But I just want to make you guys uh, aware of that. The other thing I want to cover very quickly is that the latest College Football Survivor show, Shahan Jeharaja, and I did a draft of Heisman contenders. And I made us do different categories. So the six categories were you had to draft a returning starter at quarterback, a new starter at quarterback, a pass catcher, a running back, a defensive player, and a wild card. And I will say for Ohio State fans, there is a very interesting Marvin Harrison Jr. discussion that happens very early in that podcast. So if you want, if you haven't listened to the Survivor Show, there's a lot of Ohio State context in that discussion. And I'll just say this, and this is real life. It's just a reminder for all of us. So Joe Royer sits down. Joe Royer, backup tight end, who was forced into action in the playoff semifinal and was talking about the idea like I barely, I basically didn't play all year. And then I had to play against Georgia because Kate Stover got hurt. And I think we knew this at the time, but it is worth mentioning again, he sits down and he has a gigantic, Mm -hmm. beautiful tattoo on his right shoulder of his late mother, Mickey, who died in September. And so this is a young man who was away from the team for a little bit last season after the passing of his mother, far too young, and he's playing football. And so you cannot look at Joe Royer when he's in a football situation. Like he comes off, he has like the tank top on, his arms exposed. That's a reminder every day. And we know there are lots of people who do that kind of thing. There are other players on this team who, who have lost people in their lives and have reminders on their body. But you sit down to talk to somebody after a football practice and you are looking at the face of their late mother and it just reminds you of some stuff. So um, all the best to Joe Royer and his family. It is, it is not that long ago for them to have gone through that, that terrible situation with the loss of his mom. And here he is a young man who is trying to fight to get on the field and have a bigger role in this offense. And it's just one of the nice things, you know, he and Cade Stover are kind of sitting together waiting for interviews. And then they come out and he's like, Oh, I'm so glad Cade's back. And Cade sits down and is like, This is one of my best friends. And so, you know, you have a group of people that care about you when you when you're part of a team like that. But um if if there are listeners who did not know, right? We didn't have a big conversation about it. This is a this is a young man. And again, there are other players on this team who have faced similar tragedies in their lives. Um, that's where Joe Royer is, and his mom's with him right on his arm and right with him every day as he tries to build on that for this year. Okay. You know what? Quick break. We'll come back and talk football next on Buckeye Talk. All right, let's do this. Let's talk Trevion Henderson. So we've been having conversations. I I talked to Trey when it was media day at the Peach Bowl, sat with him for a while in December. We've talked to other people in and around Ohio State football. And I think, Stephen, that Potentially, 
the conclusion here as we sat there, I was almost a little surprised mm-hmm. we got Trayvon Henderson, frankly, for interviews in a yeah. world where he is he is recovering from his injury, from a broken bone in his foot. He is recovering from that, and he is not fully participating in practice. He is not doing – you know, he's not out there with the ones going and scrimmaging that kind of thing. He's doing some individual stuff. And I think there might have been, Stephen, as much – and Trey talked about this, and we've talked to other people – as much – possible maybe as much disconnect as much difficulty as much kind of stuff to work through for a player who is still here and is as important as Travion Henderson is to Ohio State football I'm not sure I've encountered that all that often in my time covering Ohio State football and it feels like the conclusion is where Travion Henderson is now, he's made a decision that this is where he's going to be. He feels good. He said it on Wednesday. He feels good about his health. He got through some stuff. I think he easily could have gone, and he didn't. And I am super curious, Stephen, to see what this Travion Henderson season is because this is a step beyond, hey, the J.K. Dobbins sophomore slump you get in your own head. I think this is a step beyond of like, hey, um, an injury screwed up your year. There was a lot of stuff. I think there was a disconnect between a, the player and the program for a decent chunk of last year. And they seem to have worked it out, which would be a credit in particular, I think, to the player in question here. And Travion Henderson seems like he's ready yeah, to he's go. He's in right good now. spirits, which has not been the case for a lot of the last year. That has not been. He's been kind of out of it. Um, you hinted at it there. There is a world that exists that was very realistic that Travion Henderson is not on Ohio State's football program, program right now um, because of that disconnect. And there, the things you can credit to are, you know, Trey and his maturity and you know, how he went about handling some things. You can credit some of it to Tony Alford, who uh, pointed out to me today, he's never had a transfer. He's one of the rooms that's never had a transfer. Um, Brian Hartline, another one of those rooms that's never had a transfer. That's a big deal nowadays because those relationships. To leave? Well, Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, Tony then is – Tony and and Larry Johnson haven't had transfers. That's a pretty big deal in today's age – well, Javante Jean. I don't know if that counts though, because he was here for seven years. I don't know that count. Like, with, yeah, I don't know if no, that's. No, I'm just saying. It depends. I don't know what the. I don't know what game it is we're playing. Buzz. Javante Jean Baptiste. Also, the guy went. Jacoby Cohen. Others from the D line. No, yeah. there's actually yeah. been multiple. Man, yeah, you're right. But the yeah. point still stands there. The running back room has not had a transfer. <laughs> 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 Henry Young, <laughs> Henry Young left. Right. The, the, the running back room is, is one of the rooms that has not had a transfer. And a lot of that is a credit to Tony Offer in the relationships he builds with these players that starts on the recruiting trail. But it, also, it often is a little bit more important off the field. You saw that with J.K. Dobbins and how he was basically a father figure to him. Doug, you wrote that story last year about Tony Offer and his, his fatherhood, how he's a, a father figure to a lot of people. I think that was extremely important with what Travion Henderson went through last year and will probably continue to be extremely important the rest of the time that Travion is here, whether that's for one more year or two more years or however much longer, because apparently you can play college football until you're 25 years old now. But it's – Trey went through a lot. 
And there was a point where it was like, maybe I need to just press the reset button. And there was talks, plenty of them. People had to look in the mirror. People had to, you know, be honest with themselves and be honest with Trey as well and get him back to a point where not only is he back, but he seems a lot more locked in than he's been since he's been here because now they're having to like, pull him back and make sure he's not doing too much and rushing his way back from things and making sure he's taking it slow. So I, I sent this to the texters a couple of weeks ago when it happened, where we were there at the end of practice and there were some offensive players gathered around for a little post-practice meeting and Trevion Henderson, this is before like we really thought Trevion Henderson was doing much. And he was in there and he was like locked in at the, he was in the, you know, with his teammates in a circle around the coach. And he had his arm around Cade Stover. And in this meeting, I just thought like, that looks like a guy who's locked in for a guy that when I talked to him in December, there was a lot of stuff that he was frustrated about. And then the coaches are saying, man, this guy, this winter and workouts is like, we had to, like you were saying, Steve, like we had to like tell him to slow down because he's throwing himself into mat drills with a walking boot on it. It's like, Travion, like relax. Like, but he's so, and I just thought that looked like a guy. It was like the, the picture to me of like pictures worth a thousand pot. Well, podcast first, picture second, written word third. No one would say a picture is worth a thousand podcast sounds. People love podcasts, but it meant it. Sh- I just it caught my eye, and so I sent that picture to the textures, and I said, I think this is maybe something like if you're wondering where Trayvon Henderson is, just look at this. So when we were done with Trayvon today, I said, Hey, wait, 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 and I showed him the picture, and I said, I saw this, and I just thought like, Hey this told me something about you. And he was like, man, you know, I think he was like, please leave me alone, old man. But also I think he might've been like, Hey, no, I think so. I just saw Steven. Steven's like, yeah, I would get, that's what I would say. <laughs> Steven's like, Oh, I mean, come on. What, who are we kidding here? Uh, so here's what I, what I think the point of this is. Sometimes we can think everything's great. And at a program that's winning a lot of football game, a lot of football games, a lot of things are great. Not everything is great. And this, I think, Nathan, the, the, the point here, I think, is some acknowledgement of a tough year. Credit to those involved, starting with Trevion, of where things are now. And an acknowledgement that for all the things last year that we saw, this running game is not working. It's not working. They're trying to play Mayan. They're trying to play Trevion. They're all half hurt. Can they get healed? Can they not? You know, Trevion is saying on Wednesday, he has a broken bone in his foot. And he's saying, every time I play a game, it's like, as soon as I do something, I basically like re-injure it every single game. And I said, like, could, could you, when you're trying to cut, when you're trying to plant and go, could you do it? He's like, basically, no. So we are seeing, hey, there's holes this guy's not hitting. He's saying, my foot is non-functional. How can I get to the hole? I can't plant to get to the hole. And I think there is a disconnect that occurred in there of how hurt is he? How hurt is he not? What can he do? What can't he do? Should he be shut down? Should he not be shut down? And it and it was a mess. Which makes it, Nathan, if they are on the same page and if he is 100% healthy, it is quite possible that the run game led by Trivia and Henderson in 2023 will look nothing 
like what we saw in 2022. Because I think in 2022, it went about as bad as it could go in terms of, I mean, the, what's the worst thing? You have a seasoning injury, right? Josh Proctor breaks is like two years ago. That's as bad as it gets. But the uncertainty and the ships passing in the night aspect in this, I think was one of the more difficult things that I've seen happen at Ohio State maybe in the last two decades. So, which means much room for improvement. And it had been such a topic of conversation the entire offseason as far as being more physical in the run game, being uh, assertive in those short yarded situations, having some real power and um, and a different kind of threat in the run game, having a reliability in the run game. Oh, so many things that they had talked about from the Rose Bowl to last September, and that could never fully get going again, not because of things that were really the offensive line and, and so many things that have been, we'd almost looked at the running back situation as sort of the afterthought there because, you know, Trevin Henderson, had looked so good as a freshman and we're like, well, you know, it, reasonably to, to assume that with a, now that he's had a full year of football and then, you know, he should be good. He should be better this, this time. And that makes Mayan Williams one of the best backups in the big 10 probably. And like, you could just go down the line and then it, the, the domino effect of the injury is just really scattered all that. So I think it's, it's critical that they do seem to be on the same page um, it's more critical that he's actually healthy now, like that they've had the corrective surgery and that he can now be on the field. And, and Mayan Williams wasn't participating in the scrimmage really last week. And, and Ryan Day confirmed that he had some kind of a small injury. So that's something to, to keep an eye on. But it's only April. It's, you assume that'll be OK by the fall. But like getting those guys healthy at the top of that depth ride, I think, is critical. And then uh, the one thing I push back on is. Yes, it's a run game led by Trevion Henderson, but they're still going to figure out this offensive line. So now it's the flip side of it. Like now, even if you have these guys again, and it's an afterthought because they're healthy and you think that they're skilled and, and can do this, now what's there as it pertains to that offensive line again? Does that come together enough to let them capitalize on the talent that they pretty obviously have? And and the thing of this, Stephen, like what, what Trevion was saying on Wednesday is, and again, I don't. I've made it clear. I don't love these lines of questioning. Like, oh, the fans, yeah. oh, the fans, the people. It's like, okay, well, I, you know, like it, that's the secondary thing. The first thing is your performance is not up to the level of expectations, which then causes a fan reaction. So we know that fans and social media do have an influence on players, obviously, but that's not the first thing. The first thing was performance, not mm -hmm. to the level expected. So he said, and when I talked to him in December, you know, I talked to him at the at the Peach Bowl, he was he was more openly bothered by the public reaction to him. So now the way he talked about it on Wednesday is they didn't know. The people on the outside mm -hmm. didn't know what I was going through and that I was injured and that I could not be myself and I could not plant. And so I'm not mad about that. That's not what this is about. But he did say it's more about the people in mm -hmm. the building, the people above me in the building. And that idea, which, again, is not something that we run across a ton, Stephen. We're not going to be Pollyanna about this. There are conflicts between the players and the adults yeah. in the building all the time. That's that's everywhere. That's just how life works. and. You know, sometimes that means that leads to guys going somewhere else. But 
that he said that, Stephen, to admit that for a guy who's here to say that, because he could be saying that Travion Henderson, the new number one running back mm-hmm. at UCLA, said things went south at Ohio State last year because people above him in the building didn't understand what he was going through or whatever, right? But it's Travion Henderson running back still at Ohio State. So this is not critical of Travion talking about it. This is real. So sometimes it gets very real. And when you can get through the real, it might have been a very good decision for him to leave. I don't think it would have been fair for anyone to say, oh, that guy, I can't believe. There would have been a lot of things there. You could have said, that's a reasonable decision. Trayvon Henderson is a starting running back somewhere else. The fact that he is here and that they, that the people involved, have worked through it, it's just, it's bumpier than a lot of stories, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, there's some things like we're trying yeah. to talk around some stuff, but Trayvon pretty much put it out there in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday. And so I, what, what, what I guess the message to me is people who are listening to this, this is a guy who had a very tough year physically. And I think thinking about the program's belief in him and here he is healthy and locked in. So let's maybe give some credit where credit is due, but also acknowledge that sometimes it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Even the at adults a are not perfect. Program. I think is a good way to put it. And no, the fans didn't. I mean, the fans, the only thing the fans did was get him annoyed to the point that one night he decided to tell everybody what his injury was, but also he was in a terrible mind state at that point, which is why when you went up to him in December when down in Atlanta, he was still ticked off about all this. It was still very much fresh and happening in real time. And so now it's April. It's a little bit more reflective. You can see literally the energy coming off of him that is a lot more positive than the dude in November and December who's frustrated and is probably looking at everybody like, what do you want? Don't talk to me. I don't want to be here anymore. So I think – Kudos to Trey for getting through this and coming out the other side and still wanting to be here because there's plenty of people who would have come out on the other side, as you said, are at another school right now. And they would have been in every right to do that. I think the real question now is Ohio State didn't do itself any favors last year with how it handled a lot of these injuries, whether in how they communicated what was going on or just how they actually handled it with in particular players. And that's whether we're talking about Trey, whether we're talking about Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Denzel Burke. I mean, CJ Stroud revealed at the combine that he was dealing with some stuff, which is part of the reason he didn't run as much, which, okay, CJ, whatever. We're not going to go on the running world, but a lot of guys dealt with things and it didn't always feel like Ohio State handled it the right way for whatever reason you want to name, having a competitive edge and not letting your opponents know what your team is dealing with, to just not wanting to give up that information. I wonder if it changes how Ohio State handles injuries going forward. All of the above in all those spaces, because when you have a situation like what was going on with Trey or anybody else, maybe it makes you, as the adults, sit down and go, "Are we? this is how we've been doing it, but is this actually the right way? It is a interesting conversation because often at the college level, schools will say like, well, well it's HIPAA. Mm-hmm. We, we can't reveal medical information. But actually by not revealing it, you're actually doing the player a disservice a lot of times because you are not making fans and potential employers in the NFL aware 
of what's actually happening. And and you can do it in pursuit of protecting players when actually protection is not the best thing for them. So this is where we get into a world where having a conference or the NCAA, haha, the NCAA, having a conference decide we're going to do injury reports. This is what they're going to mean. We're going to have designations. We're going to say what, you know, what it is to some degree. Trevion Henderson is probable. Trevion Henderson is, I don't know, what's the under probable? Unprobable? Disprobable? What? I don't even know. Questionable. 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 With a right foot injury or whatever, right? Like that, I think there things could be served by that. And also like, you know, you can't, you can't make injured guys play, mm-hmm. right? But you also you're trying to make sure. So it was interesting when I, you know, for if people listened when I had James Palmer from the NFL Network on last week, and he was saying that with Jackson Smith and Jigba, NFL teams are saying, "Why won't you just say I just shut it down because I wanted to get mm-hmm. ready for the NFL, right?" And that he's saying like Jackson Smith and Jigba like won't say that and it's it's sort of like the nfl wants the reverse of what the college program and fans want which is ohio state fans and coaches want to hear listen man i hung on like as as long as there was a five percent possibility of me playing i wasn't gonna shut the door on it i wasn't gonna just say i'm going to the league whatever where the nfl is like hey whatever why don't you just do it so even I think with the NFL evaluation of Jackson Smith and Jigba, there's some haziness about like what actually was happening there, but they would just rather have you bail <laughs> and get ready for the combine. Like the mm-hmm. Nick Bosa strategy, which I'm not criticizing. Hey, guess what? NFL defensive player of the year. This guy's going to be the high, one of the highest paid players in the league. He's going to be the highest paid defensive player in the league in like 12 months. And he might be the best defensive player in the league. So is it like, was he wrong to shut it down? Or should he have left open 10% possibility of, oh, maybe I could play in a playoff game? So, uh, you know, I I don't know, Nathan. I think Steven makes a good point, though, of, you know, I asked a public question of Ryan Day whenever it was of like, hey, what did you think of how the injuries were handled last year? And like in a public podium thing, he's not going to say, you know what? We should have done better. He's just not. I don't know how we can get at it, but. Here we are in a world where there just remains even now sort of some haziness around as you, you know, we're, we're Steven ran down the names, right? It's like, there's like four or five, like legitimate dudes on this team. Who is it? Who were sort of like, well, they're hurt, but how hurt? Or when are they coming back? We don't really know. And it doesn't mean we have to be in the doctor's office with them, but it feels like maybe things could be better, both in how they're handled and how they're communicated. Well, we're talking to make sure we're not conflating two different things here because there's there's a transparency with us and the fans, us being a conduit to the fans. And there's transparency with the players themselves, which is what Trevian Henderson is bringing up. That is a much more significant potential problem for the program. That's what they have to get on the same page about and have to get fixed. That sort of thing is uh, a problem, a potential problem, a festering problem that, that has to be fixed. And we're not saying it's rampant, but it clearly we've heard you know from himself now that that was a problem last year they can't afford for that to be a a thing that comes up with a lot of players especially their best players uh, as it relates to the rest of it though you know they they can sometimes get caught in between a little bit i think ryan day for instance was answering our questions about yeah. 
Jihad Carter, as soon as he got hurt, he answered my questions about, hey, where was Mayan Williams? Like he was answering those questions on Saturday because competitively, there's no disadvantage to answering that question in April. He gets much more closed-lipped about things in September, October, and November, and December. And I, I understand why, but I also think you're right. And as we've speculated before, as as let's just not to be crass about it, as gambling interests become a bigger part of college sports, there will be a push for a uh, formalized transparency as to injuries because that's why the NFL has it. Okay, so keep your eye on Travion. Um, it's just nice to see a good player in a good headspace, which it feels like here in early April is the case. So you want everybody to be healthy and you want everybody to feel good about their place on the team. And and there was a time where clearly I don't think Trayvon Henderson was either of those things. And it seems like right now, maybe he's both those things. Let's go to Dallin Hayden, who was the other running back that we talked to. We did not talk to Mayan Williams. We did not talk to Chip Trainum. We did not talk to Evan Pryor. We did not talk to anybody else in the running back room. But Dallin Hayden, this idea, right, Nathan, it's one of those things. You have a bunch of guys in a room, and it's like, hey, who's going to leave? And Stephen saying, Tony Alfredson, hey, man, you know, nobody's, I haven't lost anybody yet. I haven't lost anybody. So Dallin Hayden, it came up with Dallin Hayden, right, Nathan? Did you think about leaving? It came up because I asked him. It was <laughs> They were kind of rushing him out of there. He had to go to class. and But I asked him, and I asked him because not, not only had we heard it, I mean, it was the thing that was out there on social media, a lot of speculation, but Tony Alford addressed it back in February. He, when we got them um, there in between, like, I guess for the late signing day, uh, brought up, you know, you hear all this stuff out there in the social media world, but at the core of it, I think we've got a good enough relationship with our players that we can have an open conversation with them and the parents and say, okay, here's where we're at. What are we thinking? And he brought it up again later. You turn on social media and it's Dallin thinking this, Dallin's doing that. Well, Dallin, where are we at here? Like he had to go to Dallin because of things they were hearing and say, where are we? And I, it's it's part of the reason that they haven't necessarily lost a transfer is because um, their best guys have they've keep they keep having a, a need and they've needed transfers to come in in that room. But uh, but also um, that nothing is quite unfolded quite this way where you have a guy like Dallin Hayden who has this like breakout thing. I mean, he's already a four star prospect. He gets on the field faster than people expect. And then he does everything he did last year as a true freshman um, starts kind of because of the injuries, probably, as we're learning now with Trayvon Henderson, like outperforming the guys who were ahead of him a little bit. So then I think the natural speculation off of that from both sides was, well, maybe he would look for some place where he doesn't have to sit for another year. And then other programs are clearly going to be interested. If you're if you're some school that, that needs a running back right away, as Ohio State sometimes has, then you might put the feelers out there that you've got a place for him. So I, I asked him, like, what was there to that? He kind of he smiled and sort of shook his head because I think you could tell that um, it was something that annoyed him and said he didn't know where it came from, didn't come from him or his family, his people, um, that he that wasn't something that from his side he was pursuing. Um, we didn't get a chance to, like, parse every aspect of it. But he said it was just rumors. He said that there wasn't not a lot of fire where the smoke was, I guess. This is one of the crazier stats breakdowns you'll see the, mm-hmm. the carries last year for ohio state mayan williams 128 dallin hayden 111 trevion henderson 107 chip Trainum 15 mm-hmm. xavier johnson 12 like that it's just three but, guys who are all like at different times of the year in different ways the guy and they all wind up with 120 carries it's it's crazy nathan 
Michigan but, but Chip Trainum's 15. Weren't yeah. 14 of them against Michigan? Literally. Like, it was the most important <laughs> game of the year. But he gets all of his carries. It was a bizarre year. And I think Tony Alford has alluded to that a couple times, being like, listen, like, I, people keep framing the question. I saw him talking about this either, I can't remember if it was February or, or today, where he's like, people keep framing this as if this is like a thing that happened to me. But really, it was a thing that happened to the team. Like, it was just a jumbled kind of mess last year and they've never dealt with anything that's quite like that nor do you nor do you want to you like having depth i don't think you like having just a weekly uh shrug your shoulders like who's going to be available come saturday afternoon and the idea that they had three guys who each had 100 carries and none of those three was the primary ball carrier in the michigan game but when you ask Tony, if you say to Tony Alford, like, hey, man, you know, like Chip Tratum as the main running back in the Michigan game, kind of weird, huh? But I guess he did have 14 carries for 83 yards, an average 5.9 yards per carry, and seemed to do pretty right. well. And like Tony Alford, he'll just give you like one of those looks, Stephen, of like sort of like the over the top yep. of the glasses, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, did the fourth string running back actually play pretty well? Oh, okay. What's your question? <laughs> like, it was a nuts year, Stephen. But, like, there's holes in the dike all over the place. And Tony Alford's running around trying to, you know, he's running out of fingers. But, you know, they didn't have Donovan Edwards in the Michigan game. But it's not like they had a guy who had 17 carries for 11 Tony yards. Tony Alford is very good at telling you he's good at his job without ever saying the words, hey, I'm good at my job, just by how you ask questions. I think what it did is create depth. And it's created the probably the deepest room that he'll have as he's, since he's been at Ohio state in terms of both bodies in general, just people just sitting in the room, but also guys who could throw out there. We'll see with Evan Pryor once he gets healthy, but given what we thought we were going to see from Devin Pryor before he went down with an injury last year, what chip Trainum showed us against Michigan of all teams, what Dallin and showed us at times and what Trey and mine are pretty established at doing realistically, we did a depth pod Tony Alford could just go, oh, this guy's starting this week. No, oh, this guy's starting this week. We're going to roll with this guy. Hey, Chip, you got two carries last week. You're getting 20 this week. Now, it's not obviously that simple, but he could do that because he has that much faith in everybody in the room. And now it's about – it's really going to be about who's the most complete guy, who gives you the most. And I, I asked Tony to kind of break them all down. Uh, obviously, with Travion Henderson, he's the guy who can run away from you a little bit, maybe the most explosive of the guys in the room. Mayan Williams is going to attack you and try to run down your face. He said that Dylan Hayden probably has the best vision when it comes to seeing holes. I think we saw that play out last year. Mm. And then Chip Trainer is probably the best athlete, raw athlete, which, I mean, you were asking linebackers that last year about Chip. And if you did it with the running backs, they'd probably say the same thing about him now. He's probably the best athlete. While Evan Pryor probably gives you the most in the passing game with those screen passes just because he's got the best hands and the best in open space and stuff like that. So you've got, it seems like you've got all these bits and pieces of an elite running back in five different players who can get the closest to being the three down back is probably who's going to get the ball. We probably think it's Travion Henderson, but at the same time, he, in most, from most situations, especially if they go tempo where a guy gets stuck out there, it really might not matter who's out there in week four, even if it might matter when you get to a playoff situation where you do want to maximize yourself. So we've seen teams do things with turnover chains and belts and kind of things on the sideline. How about wheel of Mm. running backs? And so before every series, Tony Alford would just tick, 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 tick
Mayan. Mayan gets this series, right? Or like even before the game starts, like who's going to start against Penn State? All worse. Chip Tradem. Chip Tradem. Right? And maybe not everybody has the same size piece of pie. Right? That one will give Trayvon. But hey, oh, you might hit the bonus round. You might hit tick, 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 tick. Xavier Johnson. Xavier Johnson start against Alabama in the national championship game. You got to listen to the wheel. So we'll just throw it out there. We'll see what Tony thinks. Stephen, you were with Tony Alford for the interview session. You said you like you ran through the running backs with him. Like what? Where? Where's Tony? That's always one of those things. Sometimes they're running through guys fast, and you know, I was at one table. I was like on the third guy at my table, and I look over. Tony's still talking. It's like Tony's not. He's good. It's great. He's got it. He's his. uh, Everything's good. So like, where's his head at? Where's like what? What else did you learn from Tony Alford? He said that I think Dallas might have said this too. Dallas up to like two hundred and twelve pounds. So just physically, he can handle some things that maybe he could handle a year ago or something like. I might be wrong about that. So Nathan, if you were at Dallas, you might have the exact number. Up twelve pounds. Okay, up twelve pounds. Two hundred five. Okay, so that's he's just physically able to play the position in a way that he wasn't last year because I don't know he showed up in June, so obviously he wasn't going to be able to do that. He said with Mayan, the one thing he does want to see is, and it's funny. I think we were saying this about Trayvon a year ago. Mayan likes to bounce outside and go get home runs a lot of times, which with the top two guys, that seems to be the theme here is the guys who can go get home runs, like to always go get home runs. And so preaching the Mayan that the three, four yard games are just as good as the the 50 yard touchdowns because they're both necessary to keep this offense on schedule. Cause that's what they loves is when things are on schedule. Uh, Chip, he, we, he did get asked about chip and when that decision was made final and how that conversation went and, and Tony offered fashion. He went, I asked him where he wanted to be. He said, I want to be a running back. He said, cool, let's move on to the next part of this conversation. But I do think the the most interesting thing he talked about, and because it's true, a lot of times in the spring, you'll get coaches who will go, we're not worried about that. We're just worried about, we'll worry about that in fall camp. I think that's very true in the running back room because even though they have five guys, they've only got two guys right now who are full go. And so it's giving Dallin Hayden and Chip Trainum all these reps, but you can't really build the hierarchy when Travion Henderson, they're just kind of, you know, giving him crumbs and crumbs and crumbs on each week to build him back in slowly. Meanwhile, Mayan Williams is being pulled back to the point that he wasn't even dressed when we walked in there to participate in practice. Evan Pryor still working his way back. So when you've only got two in the spring, you just focus on getting those two development and they'll come back and they'll think about hierarchy. They'll think about depth chart and how things are going to work out when we get in the fall camp when all five of those guys are full go. And I would expect in the end, as we've talked about many times, A, they have fallen at times in the Ryan Day era into a world of mm-hmm. who practiced the best. And we've seen it at running back. And it's like, hey, our depth chart literally changes week to week based on how a guy looked for three days in the middle of the week. And B, as we've talked about many times, you look at the Georgia model. I think you think about what they went through with Travion and Mayan last year. I don't think either of those guys, right? It just doesn't – It's. I'm not saying they're injury prone, but the answer to Travion Henderson being healthy is not to give him the ball mm-hmm. 25 times a game. Like that is not – that is just not what's going to happen, Nathan. So competition, yeah. spreading it around keeping guys healthy for a full year. It just feels like this will work itself out to some degree. And I'm not, I don't think we would predict that we'll see three different guys with a hundred carries, but I think we might predict that you're going to see a variety of dudes carrying the ball in the fall. So the week to week thing that you referenced, that was kind of like a 2020 thing with Trey Sermon and master Teague, where that was sort of how they decided that, but that was really at a time when neither of those guys were 
really running away with it. Like they were kind of plodding through that season to some extent. And then obviously Trey Sermon um, got the, the power up or whatever and, and, and took off for a few weeks. Um, so I don't think that's maybe the best model. I think the Georgia model could be instructive though, that if you're this caliber program and you're putting that caliber, that abundance of talent in a room and it's all healthy, use it. And as long as, as long as you have cultivated the right mindset and those guys approach it with the right mindset to use it, because we talked before that, you know, that approach would not have maybe worked that well with JK Dobbins, or at least the 2018 JK Dobbins. Maybe there's another lifetime where that would work. Obviously he's in a situation in Baltimore where you have to share the ball a lot and, and it's, it's when he's healthy, it's, it's working all right for him. But maybe with this group going three deep and spreading it around a little bit more would, would be the thing that would magnify would, would um, what do I say? Like it, you would get the best out of all of them, but I think that remains to be seen right now. I think it's, it's about just developing all those guys. Cause even all these people we're talking about, even Trevion Henderson, um, even a healthy Trevion Henderson has things he has to get better at. And he, he isn't getting the chance to do that as much right now outside of mental reps. That's going to be more of a, a summer preseason thing. Where can he find, where can he refine his game a little bit more to I think the Georgia model might actually be freshman. perfect. Cause especially last year, since Georgia threw it a little bit more, they had in years past. They had Kenny McIntosh led the way with 149. John Edwards had 139. Kendall Milton had 86. Now he had some injuries as well, so he probably has a few more carries if he had missed some games. And then Branson Robinson had 68. So I don't know if you get five guys into that mix, but in an offense where I don't know, the quarterback might run it 25 times total, actually run it, I don't. You could pretty comfortably get four guys in there. 50 plus carries plus still be able to throw the ball the way they throw the ball here. It just, I asked Kirby smart about that setup that they use back during the, you know, the bowl. And he didn't really mention, well, that's how we keep people happy. It was more like we've studied this and this is what gives yeah. you the best football production. It, it keeps everybody involved. Sure. But it, it's how we can maximize these guys through a full season. So uh, there's a, there's a balance you're trying to strike there because there's some backs who, who clearly do work well from a, a a big workload um but i don't think these are those guys so i think you're right i think there's something to maybe be said about this is how maybe you get your best four guys still healthy for that playoff game as opposed to having to use the fourth guy as your primary guy because the first three are banged up and and you look even to two seasons ago when um zamir white 160 carries, James Cook 113, Kenny McIntosh 58, Kendall Milton 56, Dejon Edwards 49. So that's like five guys over 50 carries basically. And Zamir White and James Cook like both yeah. got drafted high. Like maybe not maybe not as high as if they were, were a, a full-time workhorse back. They weren't first rounders, but they both were drafted as guys who went into rotations in the NFL right away. So we may you know, I, I like workhorse backs. Give me 2019 J.K. Dobbins. Give me 2015 Ezekiel Elliott, right? But I, I don't know. I, like, did, did this come up with Tony Alford specifically at all on Wednesday, Stephen? Like a philosophical thing about this? Because it feels like maybe circumstance of last year will now help shape a philosophy unless it's just While a he was sitting at the table, heads. he would take no questions about you know, carry distribution. He will not do it. Um, it's our yearly duty to ask him about carry distribution. It's his yearly duty to tell us that I know you're going to ask me about it and I'm not answering the question, but he wouldn't even like play the game this time. But he's, they're not closed off to it, right? I, I, I don't think they're against the workouts thing because it's worked. But think about Zeke turned into a workhorse really at the end of 2014. 
when it was the Big Ten championship game and the playoff games. And then they had times, even got wonky in 2015 where he wasn't really the workhorse because they wouldn't give him the ball. JK is really the only one where it was like all year long he was a workhorse, but then they were blowing some teams out. So you get games like Rutgers where he only got the ball nine times and they, they sat him down for the rest of the day. You know, Trey Sermon was the workhorse for the Wisconsin and the uh, uh, Sugar Bowl game that year, probably would have been against Alabama. So I think there's still room for the workhorse, but you don't need a workhorse in week four. You need a workhorse for like maybe Notre Dame, maybe Penn State, maybe Michigan, and then when you get to the playoffs. But every other game, you can be more get it done by committee. And maybe Travion has eight, nine, ten carries. Mayan has eight, nine, ten carries. Dallin has six, seven, eight carries. Mitch, I'm sorry, Chip has four, five, six carries, and that gets you through the season because. To, to Nathan's point he was making earlier, you've got to get the best, whoever the best running back in this room is, he's got to be healthy in November. And if, if that means he only averages 11 carries for the first month and a half, then so be it. And real quickly, I wonder yeah. if, if the checkdowns could be a bigger part of this yeah. offense too with a first-year quarterback. No, I think Ryan Day likes checkdowns. Um, like, it, yes, like take what's there. Like, I think, I think Justin wanted to hold the ball to make a big play. Cause he, and then he always knew if I had to, I can just run yeah. out, run out of this problem. And I think CJ was like, here, Trey, uh, yeah. like, I don't need to check it down. Give me, get, here's, is a window yeah. the well, size of a thimble. I'll throw it in there. Like, I don't, I'm not going to like give up, you know? And it's maybe Georgia threw the ball out to Kenny McIntosh last year. So I agree, Nathan, we talked about that last year. Like they did Trevion, right. And maybe the foot was part of this. Trevion was pretty effective pass catcher as a freshman. They did not throw him the ball at all as a sophomore, Nathan. They didn't, and I, that was to, to bring it kind of full circle. To uh, I think that was a big boost to Cade Stover earlier in the year. I thought he became kind of and, and some of the routes that he ran, some of the catches he had early in the year look a lot like checkdowns in a way when you look at them back on, on film. They were uh, the the defense just kind of left him, and he they they took what was there. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just sort of assumed that whether it's McCord or Brown that that could be something that's there for them a little bit more. It just wasn't how C.J. Stroud looked at the game. He had looked past that by the time we got to last year. Because Henderson sure. was involved more in 2021. And, but, but the second year version of C.J. Stroud was like, like, what am I even? I'm just looking. I'm looking past this area right around me to the guy who's downfield who's going to uh, be a unanimous <laughs> All-American. I, I think that there may be a, a smaller – there may be more peripheral That's vision. Fair. That's a coach taking his hand off the wheel a little bit and the starting quarterback going, I know what I'm doing. I'm throwing this ball down the field. Yeah. And when you have the guys down the field that they have, it's like you want to do it. Ezekiel, by the way, in 2015, averaged 22 carries a game and ran for more than 100 yards in every single mm. game except the Michigan State game. So, like, he was a workhorse in 2015. And he, he eased into it in the second half of 2014. But also, like, and this is not – I don't – JK's a bowling ball and Zeke a is just – <laughs> Zeke is just a dude. And I don't think Travion's that, which is not, it's just a different style of back. He's not quite. And Mayan is a little more, but then Mayan, I don't think is quite as skilled. I just think there's other things here. It's not doubting Travion. It's getting the best out of Travion. But man, they leaned on him a lot as a freshman. They did. 1250 as a, as a freshman's no joke. But even then, as we said, like they really hit him hard in the Tulsa game. And then they weren't giving the ball 20 times a game. I think there's a way where they really can find a sweet spot. They have an opportunity here. And I don't know if Tony's going to be sitting on his back porch, kicking back with a cigar and being like, okay, what if we gave Trey 14 and Mayan 11 
and Dallin eight, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you can just he could just equation himself through the summer. Be like, okay, then in October, what if we gave Trey sixteen and Mayan? Tw- there's a lot of opportunity here, and again, there's happy and there's healthy, and happy is good. Healthy is what is the most important thing. You want these guys at there, and again. By the way, we still we're I'm like making like I'm getting my talk about sitting on your back porch and drawing things up. Like I'm making my Michigan week pod plans for after the spring game. Last Saturday in November, everything else great. Like everything, right? All these other things. Like, hey, what else are you doing to get ready for the Michigan game? Making sure we don't have to start a linebacker <laughs> at running back. That's on the list of how we get ready for Michigan, even though the linebacker was pretty darn good. Let's try to have more of a Donovan Edwards effect last year. And then, by the way, Michigan was out there best running back, too, and they still had their backup run for 200 yards. So sometimes stuff happens. Sometimes teams are a little better at something than you are. So anyway, interesting, interesting running back conversation. Let's wrap it up with this. There's nobody, I right? There's no Ohio State coach who rides the mm. recruiting roller coaster like Tony <laughs> Alford, who is like, well, who'd you get last year? None. Who'd you get this year? Two top hundred guys. Who'd you get the next year? None. <laughs> Who'd you get the next year? Top five running back. Okay. So like he's right. Mark Fletcher decommits. They do not have a running back in last year's class. And now James Peoples is here and Tony Alford. It's like, what? Sometimes Tony Alford's like, why did you ever doubt me? And not to be, sometimes it's like, well, I don't know, Tony. Last year, you didn't get a running like You had, you had zero. So I'm, it's not yeah, doubting, but like, it's not yeah. like it's, out of nowhere, it's not like we're making it up. So, but James Peoples is a thing, and so Tony Alford also is like, "Hey, don't you know this is kind of what we do, right, Stephen?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> today was <laughs> today was Tony Alford gets to pound his chest once again because he's hit another home run. I I, I, met, I said it on the on the red spot. It's it's red spot. I wrote it when James Peoples commit. This is the Tony Alford recruiting experience here. Sometimes he's going to go to the bat, up to bat, and it's going to be a whiff. And it's like, what is going on here? Why is our running back recruiting falling apart? And then his back gets against the wall, and you have to stay in the game, and then he hits a grand slam. J.K. Dobbins, grand slam. Trey Henderson and Evan Pryor in the same cycle, grand slam. And now you've got James Peoples added to that as a grand slam. I think he's a guy who might even rise a little bit. He doesn't play against the best competition in San Antonio, but he plays against good enough competition that I think He's a top five running back right now. If he's, I think he can for maybe being the second or third best running back in the class, and they'll try to go get another guy with him. But he went and found a J.K. Dobbins twin a hundred miles away from where he found J.K. Dobbins, and they're really excited about this kid. It's a really big get for him. And so, yeah, now we're back in the world of it resets itself now, right? You try to go get the second guy, and it resets of the drama and the roller coaster. That is, is Tony Offer going to get a good running back in the cycle? Probably not, but he'll get one in two years when he absolutely needs one because we're wondering whether he's still good at this or not. It is, and it's one of those things we talk about it like, like go, Freddie insisted, go get a guy. Don't go, you know, it's great yeah. to get the kid in Ohio who would come play for anybody, but go get a guy. He went and lived in J.K. Dobbins yeah. on his street until he locked down J.K. Dobbins, and now he went back to Texas, and it's like, why is James Peoples coming to Ohio State? Because Tony Alford went and got him. Man. What it's so worth. It's like, you what know, this is real. Ohio strong, Ohio ties. Like, family in Youngstown and Cleveland, 
And last weekend, they, that visit was a home run. Like his entire, his grandparents were down here on the visit with him. His entire family was here. And something that probably, to the point of hitting a home run, this probably could have lasted to July because he was supposed to go visit Texas, was supposed to visit Oklahoma. But Tony Alford and the staff and some of the players did such a good job of, you know, and even some of the commits of just you know, rallying around him that there was no choice. He was going to end up committing by the end of the weekend. So kudos to Tony Alford for once again being able to say, I told you so. See you in a year. Well, <laughs> I'd also he, like he to make sure, like, like, James, people's guest aside. Yeah, 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 of course. But, yeah. Well, yeah, also, I mean, also you get to say, I told you so, when Michigan's running backs aren't a lot better in the game sure. than the Ohio State's running backs were, right? Like, that's the thing that's going on here, too. And I think there was a lot of uh, fan pushback on the, the, the Marshall Peoples thing has been interesting here in the last week or two. And... Uh, I, I think there's probably some um, correct perspective on both sides of that. But, like, at some point you have to ask yourself, like, you know, Michigan got this guy that maybe Ohio State, did they want him as much? Did they not? I don't know. Well, but, like, Michigan's doing a good job of finding running backs and developing them and, and keeping them. So, like, that that's another thing I am I think you're kind of waiting to see with Ohio State. Uh, running backs is is directly as it relates to that rivalry. Yeah, yeah. Right and we're talking about the we talk about it with the quarterback, right? With how this is going to be the oh Ryan Day picked Kyle McCord over JJ McCarthy, and we finally got to see who was, if he was right or not. Conversation. It's not quite the same with Peoples, Henderson, and Pryor because just for the context, Peoples could have committed to Ohio State. It was very much a like the board was Travion, Evan, and Donovan Peoples. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying the wrong name. Edwards, you yes, mean Donovan people, Edwards. Yes, You're saying Edwards. Edwards could, so, Donovan Edwards could have committed to Ohio State. Those, yeah. those were the three guys at the top of that board, and it came down to who was going to take the spots first. And Evan Pryor took the first spot, and then Trevion Henderson took the second spot, and they were cool with that. And this, that's often how Tony Offred has operated, where he likes these guys. I love all of you. Whoever wants the spot – Come grab it. And if they're take, if they're all gone by the time you're ready to make your decision, then they're all gone. So it's not so much. I don't think the, the, the Donovan Edwards one was so much that he chose Travion Henderson and Evan over him. It's just they were ready to make a decision when he was not ready to make a decision yet. All right. So that'll wrap up running back talk. When we come back, tight end talk next after this. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, 614 350 Three three one five. If you would like to be a tech subscriber, you get news and analysis straight to your phone. You get to take part in surveys. You get to send us questions. Give us your comments that we work into the pod sometimes. Two week free trial, three ninety nine a month. After that, six one four three five zero three three one five. Again, you're in the window. You'd get the spring game at this point if you tried it for the two weeks for free. Cleveland.com slash OSU to read our stories. And make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single episode of Buckeye Talk. And if you haven't listened to the College Football Survivor Show, we certainly would welcome you there. Also, I know on our Strictly Stripes podcast, which is the Cincinnati Bengals podcast for our company, wherever you find Buckeye Talk, you can find Strictly Stripes. I know they did a Dewan Jones episode recently about whether he might fit for the Bengals late in the first round. So if you're curious about Dewan, you can go listen to that. But right now we're curious about Keenan Bailey. Nathan, you wrote about him. You're like, is he owes the O, you know? Like, does Keenan say, like, when, when Keenan Bailey sees you, he'd give you the nod of, like, hey, guy. Hey, guy, you're talking to me. With my, my past. What's up? What's up, man? What's up, man? Thanks. Give you some of that. 
Uh, not not yet. We'll we'll see how it goes. It's early. Keep. What's up, Keep? Uh, all right. So he sat down. He's the new tight ends coach taking over for Kevin Wilson. What was the vibe you got from Keenan Bailey on Wednesday, Nathan? Uh, you know, still in, in several months in on the job now, or a few at least, uh, still a very high energy guy. And that's something that the players seem to be responding to as well. Like talking to G Scott, um, hearing from some of the other guys in that room and hearing from guys who played from him before when I wrote that article, I, there's just a, a kind of relentless daily energy from, from this guy. And, um, it's, it's been an interesting perspective to hear him kind of, I, because he and Kevin Wilson are, I think, pretty different guys. Like they come from different backgrounds, different parts of the country, um, d- different paths to getting the jobs that they have. And I think his is is a a, a fresher perspective. And you know, G Scott today even said something along the lines of, you know, people sometimes underestimate. And I don't really think he was throwing Kevin Wilson under the bus here. I think he's just talking because I don't think he was saying that they had a bad morale before. But he said that Keenan Bailey coming in and his energy and kind of his motivational tactics that has raised the morale in that room and uh, that it just it helps you as a as an athlete show up every day with the energy to do what you have to do when you see that guy with that kind of relentless energy, that kind of relentless positivity, which is something that we're talking to a lot of people in Keenan Bailey's background is sort of a thing that has followed him throughout his life. You can just just any conversation you have with him, you can tell that he's just he's bouncing all over the place, but he comes from a, a place where he genuinely like cares and engages with people. So that, you know, we're still pretty early in the process for him, but I think that's been a, a positive thing that you've seen in, inflicted into this or injected into this tight end room so far this spring. So what, what do you say about the room, Nathan? Like, where does he think, what, what about the guys he has? What does he, what does he want these tight ends to accomplish this season? Yeah. So the way I posted to him was, you know, last year in the peach bowl, when, when Stover gets hurt, and you could say this about a lot of, you know, going from starter to what's behind him. But when, when Cade Stover left the Peach Bowl, you noticed it. Like, it was conspicuous, his absence over the final three quarters of that game. It cost them in that game. Maybe cost them the game, you could even argue, when you when you go back and look at some of the pivotal plays in that game. And what is happening right now that changes that, that, that changes um, that you know, raises the expectation that you have from the other players. Because the guy who got a lot of snaps actually after Stover left was Mitch Rossi, who's also no longer in the program. So he said, uh, that's a good question. And he's been addressing it in part by there are times when he has told Kate Stover to go run routes with the receivers and then turn to the other tight ends. He's like, okay, Kate Stover's out of the game now. Like, here we go. Like, this is now it's you guys. This it's on you guys. The, you guys are the ones who have to execute what's going on here. And they obviously don't hope that Cade Stover ever leaves a game or expect him to ever leave a game. But the, the it's that's been on the table that 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 G Scott, Joe Royer, uh, Sam Hart, um, uh, Bennett Christian, like those guys have to raise their level of play and make the number two tight end spot at Ohio State more valuable than it was in 2022. So I, I could imagine Keenan Bailey doing this because I just I just watched This Is the End, which is like a ten year old movie the other day. Love it. Just for the Love first it. time. I don't I don't know why. And then it was on cable, like yesterday. So I was watching it again, like for a second time after I had just seen it for the first time. But like at the beginning there's a part of that movie where <laughs> like these blue beams come down and suck people up into the sky. And I could see like if one day at practice a blue beam came down and sucked 
Cade Stover up to the sky. And everybody was like, oh my God, what happened to Cade Stover? And Keenan Bailey like, just don't worry about it. It's a thing I'm doing with the tight ends. To test them. <laughs> it's just, I built a thing on the roof and I talked to Cade about it and it's just a light. And then Cade climbs up a rope, but it looks cool. I want to send the message. Cade Stover just got abducted by aliens. What are you going to do? Right. And then like, just Keenan, he's so energetic. He's really driving home the message to these guys. So that just feels like a Keenan Bailey, right? <laughs> It's like, what did you do, like, Keenan? It's like, I just, instead of going to bed last night, I was up on the roof and I built a beam to suck Cade Stover into the sky, right? It's like, hey, he calls his, he calls Cade Stover's parents. It's like, hey, don't worry, but we're going to be beaming up your son at practice today. He'll be okay. Yeah. He's just going to go bye-bye for a little bit because I'm trying to develop the rest of the room. It's for the yeah. good of the program. He'll be back later. They're going right. to they're gonna go find those old COVID waivers and it's going to scratch out. COVID and put beam and like make them sign that to in order yeah. to play or, or like you know how like you know Nick Saban has these helicopters that he flies all over the south to go visit recruits they're going to use theirs to just like extract players from the middle of practice you be like oh there goes Marvin Harrison Jr. what do we do now I think they could probably actually just ask him to go you could actually just let him go stand off to the side they don't they don't have to like risk his life to do this they could just, just do what he's doing now which is have him go run routes with the receivers it's like a military operation where <laughs> Marvin Harrison is running a post route, and out of nowhere, an army, a military man comes out, snatches up Marvin Harrison, and goes back out. And now, and now, yeah. Kyle McCord's like, I don't know who to throw the ball to. <laughs> and Brian Hartline's like, Figure it out. You got yeah. it. It's like the old G.I. Joe cartoons. Yeah, the old yeah. G.I. Joe cartoons. He's like holding on to the landing gear with like one arm and just being whisked yeah. away. And every day it could be a new thing. Like a SWAT team pulls in one time. Um, like it's like I give well, permission for my son to be raptured in order for the third team players listen, to get more reps in practice. For the sake we're, of the we're, rivalry. We're talking around this, but like that beam idea, that's just an alien abduction. Like we were out in front of this. I know. It's, true. I, it's I, like because it is. Because like the other thing you could do is hit a guy in the leg with a sledgehammer and be like, all right, Kate Stover can't walk. Now what? But the alley abduction is just nicer. So, um, so what's what's the other? Body? I want to get to Cade Stover, but I want to make sure we cover like what Keenan Bailey talked about, Nathan, because you were the, again you were the guy who was there the whole time with him. Um, did he talk about how much he thinks they'll use twelve personnel? Did he talk about how much better he thinks Cade Stover can be? Did he talk about the battle like behind Cade Stover? What what else did he talk about? Yeah, not schematic stuff yet. It was more the the development of the guys in that room. You know, Jelani Thurman was a big topic of conversation. He's obviously just popped onto the radar this spring, showing up as an early enrollee freshman. And just with what he is as a body um, and what he can be in the long run. But the, the the biggest thing that I took away from that was, you know, very easily you could have a coach who just says, yeah, man, you can just look at him and like physically like, wow, like I can't wait to see what he becomes someday. And the first thing that Keenan Bailey went to was like, that guy is like the first guy in here in the mornings, uh, him and Carnell Tate, and they're in here late at night and like really absorbing the playbook. Like a lot of like taking care of business stuff with him, that it's not just he's expecting to show up and just be this walking brick wall that we're going to throw passes to someday. Now, obviously, then the natural follow-up question was like, well, freshmen don't really play. Freshman tight ends don't really play. It's so such a developmental position. Is that on the table for him at all? And he doesn't want to play with that timetable kind of gave the old coach speak like, but if he keeps doing those things, then, you know, it's, it's something that's 
possible. And I think he's got a combination of physicality and skill set that will maybe make that a conversation. I just don't know if it'll be he might be farther down the line and in year two is the big year for him. Stover leaves. Maybe other people have moved on by then, and now they need someone to, to be a more central part. But G. Scott said something funny because G. Scott's really kind of taking him under his wing to kind of mentor him and was talking about how, you know, yeah, he's like huge and that's great, but he's also like kind of figuring out what it means to be that big and move in a Big Ten way. Like get that coordination. The coordination has to like sync up with his physique a little bit, uh, but, but they see what that's going to be when it does and they're excited about it. It's going to be hard to not talk about him. Like he's one of those guys. Dontre Wilson was a guy like that when he was a freshman. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, don't you think you could maybe get him on the field a little bit? Completely different kind of player than Jelani Thurman. Sonny Styles is like that. There's just the guy sometimes. Yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. We're not talking 70 snaps a game. But couldn't you, couldn't you do something with this guy? And Steven, I don't, I, I, it might be too much to ask at that position. But I'm also wondering if it might be like, oh, they're, why is Jelani Thurman in the game on second and six from the 17-yard line in the third quarter of a tie game against Penn State? Oh, that's why he's in the game, because they just ran him you know, across the middle of the field and he boxed out the safety and caught a first down. You just wonder if there could be five snaps a game where a guy could do something for you, because, because the whole thing is Sonny Styles, different. Dontre Wilson, different. Jelani Thurman, different. Why'd you do that with that guy? I don't know. Did you see him? We don't have anybody else who can do that. I don't know, Stephen. Maybe it's just things you talk about, but it might be fun. Sometimes you see a guy in pads and the juices just get flowing about all the possibilities because he's actually been with the team since bowl practice because he's from Atlanta. And he was one of those freshmen who was around for some of the bowl stuff because they're, they've been allowing some of the early enrollees to do some of that stuff. Jermaine Matthews was down there. Uh, uh, Will Smith Jr. was down there. Um and I mean, he looked big, but they were like standing around in sweats. So whatever. Seeing him in pads is a whole different animal. And I mean, you brought up a Penn State game. We've seen freshmen in the past come on late in the season. If we had to make that list right now of guys from the 23 class, where if you saw them out there for a game late October and November doing something in a key moment, and you'd be interested because we're sports writers and that's what we do, but you wouldn't be shocked. I think the fair list right now would probably be you start with Carnell Tate and Jelani Thurman and then Brandon Ennis just because he's a five-star. I think that's fair. And I might put Jelani above Carnell and Brandon just because of who he would have to pass to do it. Carnell is going to have to pass two first-round wide receivers and another pretty quality guy and the best football player in the Ohio State program and Xavier Johnson to do it. Jelani Thurman has to pass two – a group of tight ends who are unproven outside of Kate Stover. So I, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, bank, bank on it happening, but if he's out there for the Penn state game and he's got like some random 17 yard catch on a second and six in a key moment. Yeah, I could see that. I also wonder if you don't want to put too much on him, but I wonder Nathan, like, could you, it's like, Oh, what's this? It's, third and three and now they're in 13 personnel and they have three tight ends in the game and they have Jelani Thurman as an offset something and now they're mm -hmm. running him in motion and then what did they do oh now they threw it to Kate Stover but like just like a guy that maybe if you put him in the game even though he's a freshman you'd have to pay attention to and there's passing people on the depth chart Steven as you're saying like there's that and then there's also like we're naming this position the Jelani 
and seven times this season, we're going to put the Jelani in the game because nobody else can be the Jelani because nobody else looks like him. But when we do it, it's going to be a, a thing that's either going to be throw off the defense or maybe you can throw him the ball in a certain situation or whatever. And, um, you know, we haven't, I don't think we haven't had 400 short yardage conversations this spring yet, but, um, you know, if you're looking for wrinkles and it's not just about, Hey, put him in near the goal line and throw a tall guy a pass. And it's not just about like, Hey, you know, have the physical guy block, but maybe he just has a package of skills where he can, he can be a fun wrinkle in year one, rather than just only a development guy who only sees the field in garbage time. Um, let's do Cade Stover because I got shaped. So I always get confused about what we have and haven't talked about. And it's like, it's April and the playoff game was kind of a long time ago, a third of a year, but Nathan, we had not talked to Cade Stover since that game. And we did not talk to him after that game because he went to the hospital during that game because he broke a bone in his back. So he was talking through all this stuff on Wednesday, and it was the first time he'd done it. And so the, to to clear up the injury, he got hurt during the game and was taken in an, to the hospital. His parents were with him. So he, like, not only, like, like, you're hurt, like, Marvin couldn't play at the end of the game. At least he got to watch. Cade wasn't even there. He had to leave. And so he, and, and he was talking about, like, when I got hurt, or when I left, we were ahead. And I said that, I, I said, how did you find out? What happened? How did you find out who won? And he said he came out of an MRI in the hospital and he walked into his hospital room and he looked at the TV and there was confetti in the air and Georgia was celebrating. That's how the starting tight end found out how Ohio State season ended. And as he was explaining all of this, Nathan, First of all, it was like, hey, do you have any, I think this is a direct quote. It was like, hey, are you okay? Like, did you have any lingering effects? Were you sure you'd be back for the spring? And I think he said, it's just a bone. Just a bone. <laughs> it was, it's just a vertebrae. So it, so it wasn't, as he was saying, like, it wasn't like a spinal injury. It was like a bone, like, near his back. But like he said, when he got up, he was like, well, this isn't normal. Like, I can't, do, like, this is bad. So we had to leave the game. It's just a bone. Easier when it's, it's what you say about somebody else's bone. When it's your own bone, you don't usually say it's just a bone. That's what Kate Stover says about his bone. So let me, this is my thing. This is, uh, this is the, my big thing. I'll get to it right now. Kate Stover, I think, was like getting emotional during this conversation, like talking about this. It's like, why did you stay? What was this like? And he's like, I can't, I can't leave. How can that be how I leave? Like, it's not, it didn't feel right. There was no part of that that felt right. And he is like, he's caged over already, but this is like a guy, he's, he looked sick talking about this, that like, this was the resolution that I got to this point with my team and that I couldn't even be with my team. I couldn't even like go down with my team. With like my brothers, we couldn't go. Like I, I had to leave them. He looks sick, and so that's what he's carrying into this year. So I was just thinking, it's like okay, like this is kind of what you want. And I feel like if you're making like a big witch's brew of like how do you do this, 
I think it might not be much more complicated than one part Cade Stover and one part Marvin Harrison. And they're both extremely skilled, talented players. And one of them is like the most skilled, talented player maybe in college football, and he won't stop working. He won't stop working. He works like the walkiest walk-on ever. Nobody is more dedicated to anything they do than Marvin Harrison Jr. is to playing the receiver position. He is the, he is the supreme example of, of a player and an athlete and a talent, and he won't stop working. Then you have this other guy who is really quite a package of skills at the tight end. He is big and he is physical and he showed that he can catch and he's sick. He's absolutely positively sick about how last year ended personally and for the team. So you take that. First of all, that's a whole lot of skill and talent that you're mixing in there. There are ways in which that is a prototype receiver and that is a prototype tight end. Don't forget Cade Stover was a top 100 recruit in the country. And you put all that in the mix and one of them won't stop working. And one of them is absolutely sick about how last year ended. And now we do it. And it's like, what do you want this season to be? I want that. I want it to be partly this. And I want it to be partly that. And maybe you don't want a hundred, you know, like, Hey man, but man, like it's, it's got some stuff. And I said, like the last question to Kate, I said, like, so here you are explaining this. Said you're a really good football program, but you guys lost your last two games last year. The way you're talking about this personally and as a team, like, how do you think this is going to influence this season? And he was like, "We just want to play ball." Man, we're just ready to play ball. Um, you got a couple scars on you, so we're not going to try and hide them. We're just going to try and roll with them, and we're ready to play ball. We just want to play ball. And it's just like, like you've Nathan. The the thing that took away is, it's hard to have eighty five guys who are all like at that. But they have some. There are some guys on this team. I think everything starts with Marvin in a lot of ways. And then like Cade is right near the top of that list. And then you can throw in a bunch of people. You can throw in the the new healthy Denzel Burke, right? You can throw in what Tommy Eichenberg has become now, right? You can throw in. You know, the growth of Donovan Jackson. And you can throw in, you know, what JT Tuimolo Al in year three is going to look like. But there are components here, Nathan. There are necessary components. And Marv is a necessary component. And I think just like what you're looking for, like the way Cade Stover, I don't he he didn't I don't think he quite got emotional. But this is like real. And he was going through this stuff again, which we occasionally try to remind people here. It's like the stuff you guys don't see. You people don't know what this is like. And he broke a bone in his back. He got to where he wanted to be and he broke a bone in his back. And then he said, I can't, how can I leave? So I got shaped up, Nathan. Like you get shaped, you, you listen to Marvin Harrison Jr. talk about playing the position. It's like, okay, well, what else? Like, can, can we all go watch this guy play football right now? You watch Cade Stover. All right, let's go do this right now. There's some guys here, Nathan, that feel like driving forces. And I think any great team needs people to dream be driving forces and we got reminded of one of them on Wednesday. Yeah. And again, not to keep bringing it up in this context, but like you want there to be one part him and one part him. And they had zero parts of that combination at the end of the peach bowl yep. last year. I mean that you, you felt it and you started to feel last year, the presence that Cade Stover had. 
there was there's a palpable presence that he has on this team. And you saw it extending to people like C.J. Stroud. I mean, again, the guys who couldn't really come from more different backgrounds in some ways, like the farm kid from Ohio and the, the West Coast California kid and just, just very different experiences, but coming together for this common purpose and, and connecting and I think having an influence like that on each other. And Cade Stover is – there are just those guys who – you know, we talk about these like vague things about, you know, leadership and stuff like that, but like just guys who the rest of the team will, will follow into battle, I think is an important thing, whether they are captains or not, whether they're like acknowledged in some way or not. And, and Stover is, is clearly one of those guys. And I think he has done it the hard way. Like he, even if he was a top 100 prospect, he really had to pay a lot of dues in this program before he got this this sort of chance. And that's where you feel for him last year in a situation like the Peach Bowl because he had had to make a climb that, I mean, obviously Marvin Harrison works his butt off, but his climb wasn't quite the same. Like, Cade Stover had to go through a lot to get to a place where he's like the pivotal player, a pivotal player in this offense, and then to have it it taken away from you like that in a, in a moment, um, I'm sure that was tough to live with. So I, I think his, as much as like, Luke Whipler unexpectedly leaving really left a hole. Um, Kate Stover potentially being able to leave and you know, probably making the prudent decision to come back, but it, it's a decision to come back that could really pay dividends for this team. By the end of last year, you know, there are draft people who were like, Cade St- now this is a good tight end class. Yeah. Like if you Dalton Kincaid mm-hmm. from Utah, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Sam Laporta from Iowa, there's a lot of highly ranked tight ends i think the draft analysts think it's it's good um but there were people you know by late in the season steven we know what people were saying i mean the people there were people really in on this guy so i don't think he's a first round pick but i think he might be a day two pick and so anytime you have a guy like that um he certainly could have gone it it wouldn't have been unreasonable but i I think that is a, a nathan you bring up a good point it's like it's easy to talk about the guys who left steven like if Cade stover was gone and we're doing G. Scott, Joe Royer, is Jelani Thurman going to, you know, like it, it would be a very different situation here. This really was a really valuable guy to stick around. Yeah, especially since you're throwing in the wrench that they're also it's a new position coach who's being a position coach for the first time in his career. That's a lot of new at a spot that's very valuable for what this offense wants to do. So from that, just from a football standpoint, his presence is so, so valuable. But I like the way you put it with Marvin and K, it's one guy who won't stop working, the other guy who won't stop caring. But also, it's the national recruit who is bringing in the work ethic like that, and it's the Ohio recruit who's bringing in the care like that. And I was walking over there as you were asking that question about losing both your last two games, but one of those games is the Michigan. So when that's the faces of your program, basically the face and the voice, because Marvin doesn't like to talk, and K doesn't like to – be the face of anything. He just likes to go work. When those are the two faces of a program, plus you've got all these other leaders, I think it, that's a good spot for this program to be in, even if you are living in the reality if you've lost your last two games. Because, you, like Nathan said, you had neither one of those guys going into the fourth quarter of the biggest game of the season, and now you have both of those guys back. And, and they're playing in a very, very important roles, not just as leaders, but faces of the program at this point. So I do think it... Not that we're not here to legislate the Georgia game. I think people know, but the idea that, all right, once you lost Marv, like, what are you going to do? 
Marvin Harrison Jr. played 49 snaps out of the 70 offensive snaps in the semifinal. Cade Stover played 13 of the 70. He went out in the first quarter. You look at the snaps. Mitch Rossi played 47 snaps offensively in that game. He did not play more than 30 in any previous game. Joe Royer, as we talked about, forced into action. He played 28 snaps in that game. He had played seven offensive snaps total um, before that, Nathan. And losing Marv is crusher. There's nobody like Marv. But but the, 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 the game-long absence of Cade Stover, it also changes how you try to do things. Listen, man, they got the fourth and two in the Michigan game. They tried to throw it to Cade Stover. Right, this was a like this was a primary component. So, I do think in the end, when we look back on this Ohio State season, and it's not to make excuses for anybody, but you in the constant search for context and the constant search for we are trying to establish in the moment how people long term are going to talk about this team and are going to look at last season. When you think about it, Nathan, you you can't forget the Cade Stover part of the Georgia game. Because you can remember, hey, man, like they didn't have Jackson Smith and Jigba and Trevion Henderson going into that game. And then they lost Marvin Harrison Jr. late in that game. But also early in that game, they lost Cade Stover. And so we've, you know, that is that is a huge part of this, which goes back to how huge it is for this team that he is here in 2023. Yeah, I mean, listeners to this pod, I mean, I've brought it up a few times, like just how massive a, a, a loss that was. And I think if you would go back and, and rewatch every snap of that game, you would see nuanced ways in that fourth quarter that they missed Marvin Harrison. And I know there were even a couple passes where we're like, well, if he had been the guy in that game there, maybe he catches that pass. But like w- with Kate Stover, it just jumped out at you. Like the, the times where guys were maybe being asked to do more than they were ready to do at that moment. And there were situations that Cade Stover would have handled even just some sort of fundamental things. And, um, but beyond that, like, so that's the game impact, but this is one of those guys that is going to probably have a daily impact, a summer long impact where, where the coaches aren't necessarily as involved in, in your business every day. Like that's the kind of guy that you want in your program, because I think there's a tangible effect that he's bringing to that facility every day. It it is interesting, Stephen, when you were really drawing the distinctions of like it, it is almost the two types of the like ideal Buckeye, right? Mm-hmm. Like the big time national recruit who and, and as you phrase like won't stop working and the and the Ohio recruit who won't stop caring and like you merge them together. And now I want to do that thing where like what if Kate Stover and Marvin Harrison Jr. had a baby? Like where you merge their faces together. I kind of want to do that now, but I do think if you do that online now, that's just Russia. Russia's going to steal your information. So don't do that. I don't want to like, yeah. Oh, that'd be another good way. Hey, what happened to Cade Stover? Oh, he got uh, kidnapped <laughs> by Vladimir Putin. So, so Joe Royer, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> Putin's not going to let him out for a couple months. Um, so it, it's an, it's an interesting thing to think about. And um, it's, it's a nice reminder of, how valuable Cade Stover became to this team in like a very short period of time. And he also was talking about, it's like, Hey, remember last year when we were like, Hey, are you a tight end? Are you a linebacker? And then the season he had, and he was like, you know, obviously said like, I, I learned so much, you know, I should be a much better tight end. But he also said, I'm home. Like he's not, 
the linebacker. Every Cade Stover story a year ago at this time was he's a linebacker who sort of is playing tight end for the good of the team, and he's a tight end now. So I think it it worked out for the team, but I also think it worked out for him. And I do think in the end, Stephen, his package of skills, I think will translate better to the NFL as a linebacker, excuse me, as a tight end than it would have as a linebacker, because I, I, I do think he has a chance to be a pretty high draft pick in here. Yeah, which he even admitted to last year. Gone are the days of the six foot four, six foot five linebackers who are just like, you know, roaming around. And that played a role in why he was eventually convinced is there's just not linebackers who look like him anymore. And so he's got a skill set that he looks like an NFL tight end. And then what he was able to do last year kind of backed that up. Now, as we were talking about earlier, we're joking about with, you know, second year CJ Stroud been a lot more involvement with the tight ends because it took away from the checkdowns. Does that production maybe decrease when you're back to a first year starting quarterback who might be in the check down and more into the check downs and trying to throw into seams into the tight ends? But I don't know. Does that really matter at this point when we've seen what we've seen for him last year? And so we do know what he can do when the ball is in his hands. Uh, Keenan Bailey has slogans. Make sure I get this strike and finish is what he tells the tight ends about blocking. Fast and physical is what he tells them about pass catching. I think that was Joe Royer. So again, I bet you Keenan Bailey's. I said, Keenan Bailey's been doodling slogans. He's like, when I'm a position coach, it's like, when you go to college, what posters are you going to hang on your wall? It's like, when I'm a position coach, what are my slogans going to be? And he's like, I'm sure, I'm sure he's had them he's ready. He's so happy to be um, a coach. Yeah, he's so happy. <laughs> like his. This is, yeah. <laughs> really? He's been, he's been waiting for this for a while. He's, yeah. He was bringing up, uh, uh, he told somebody uh, like, I don't have tight end workouts. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like, no, I have, I have receiver workouts and I have offensive yeah. line workouts. Like that's what we've been doing. That's what these guys have to do. And uh, he's, that's just kind of the mentality he's bringing to that room. All right, Nathan, it sounds like you were G Scott a little bit. Is that right? A little bit. Yeah. I caught up with, with him at the end. Um, I had already written a thing about him um, a few, several weeks ago, kind of um, cause I caught up with him in Atlanta and talked through some of the, what happened in the Michigan game and how you come back from that. And so I don't know how much he talked about that today. I didn't go back through the whole interview, but he was talking more about, you know, just the, the, uh, the idea of what w- being a leader with this team. And, and, and that's going to like directly involve with the way he has reached out to, to Jelani Thurman, but obviously like this team needs him to um, kind of complete the transition this year. And, and for Joe Royer to be, um, you know, healthy and able to play and and to have his own kind of um, awakening and reaching another level. Like these are getting to be guys who are not, um, you know, it's, it's such a developmental position, but like third, fourth, fifth year, like that's when you're supposed to be contributing now. And Ohio State, you know, needs that second guy. I'd asked Ryan Day after the scrimmage on Saturday, you know, maybe especially because of where things are with the offensive line right now, does that make that second tight end even more crucial and he kind of waved off the the offensive line part and said to just in general like they want to play 12 personnel it's been really successful with them to have two tight ends on the field and be able to to kind of leverage teams with with both of those guys and so they want that second guy to step up and sort of force the issue and and be worthy of, of playing and having a real role just was he hurt at all last year because his playing time really diminished in the second half of last season g scott's did um or did it? Did they just move away from using him as much? Or is it just that they had more garbage time early in the year and he got more got more run? I think there was some of that, and some of that I think it was just the the sporadic usage. Of that remember remember again, like Mitch Rossi was really more the second tight end. 
mm-hmm. last year. Even though he's thought of as more of like this fullback thing, he was it was more that he would be the the true number two, and then G Scott would sort of sprinkle in there, and it had had some moments, um, but still has not really elevated to being like that true number two. And they really they really could use him or Royer, I guess some combination thereof, to really be that identity more this year. All right, we'll wrap it up there. We lumped the running backs and the tight ends together here. We thought maybe we'd split them up, but I think they're, it was worth pushing them together. We think the Friday pod will be talking about dudes on defense. Who are the guys? How many dudes? Like, and I'll define dude, but like real guys. That it's there's a scheme discussion with the defense, and then there's a a player discussion. And I asked texters about it. We have some survey results from that. We might end up mixing a little bit of something else. And then again, the plan is for Monday to have something special. And I'll, and I will hope they'll let you know a little bit more about that. And then I don't know. We also might get to watch some more stuff. Who knows? So we'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Read Cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text. If you'd like, make sure you're subscribed to Buckeye talk. And uh, we always appreciate you guys making us part of your Ohio state fandom. For now, for Nathan Baird and for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was... Just a bone. Buckeye Talk.